We're back with another edition of The Exchange, presented by Confederation Group. Uh, a day late on our recording, I guess, but it's casual Friday, as you can tell. Um, I'm here with Blake Doyle, another scorcher of a week, Blake. Scorcher of the week in the house and outside the house. Yeah. In fact, we've been working so hard, we haven't had time to shave or comb our hair, so we're both wearing hats. But we've been just combing through this budget, and um, you know, I've got, uh, I collect these budget addresses, kind of like some people might collect coins. You know, I've got them back for many, many years, and um, they used to be blue books. They actually are great paperweights. But, uh, yeah, we did an article in The Guardian this week, talked a little bit about this budget, and um, uh, I'm sure it'll be discussed in the House over the next few days as well. Any quick thoughts on it, uh, Sam? Um, I think the biggest thing, obviously, during a pandemic, you can't, it's hard to criticize right now, um, but the idea of running a $173 million deficit is a little alarming for someone like myself who has to pay for it the next 50 years or so. Um, but a, a term that uh, Richard Brown used when he was in opposition when Pat Pins was in government was the, the fudget budget, and that's kind of what came to mind <laughs> right away when I, when I saw the deficit spending. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it's hard to criticize. We won't know probably for the next year or two years what the actual effects of the pandemic will be. So um, I guess good that they got one out because I was scared that they weren't actually going to because of their, it was supposed to be an emergency sitting, but now that they have it out and good, then they, we can make suggestions and see – see what happens and that's that's what it is too it's just a budget like obviously you want to stick as close as you can as that but things will happen and we could they could uh, spend more or spend less we don't know now we did invite the minister of finance darlene compton to come on to the show um through her sort of associates the uh your department uh i'm sure she's very busy she's probably got lots of organizations to communicate with including the chamber of commerce and she's still in the house uh really still presenting and defending her submission so She's always welcome. We'd love to have her on. And I think next week, uh, once this sort of is fully digested, it would be great to have uh, Minister Compton, but certainly we'd love to have some people with opposing views. And we'll probably ask some of the opposition members to come on, give us their perspectives, some of whom have been very, uh, really praised the budget, very pleased and helped in the construction of it. And others, it seems like maybe they weren't part of the process because they don't seem that pleased. Yeah, no, and that's what I've noticed too. It's kind of, I guess, both opposition parties are... I, everyone has their own opinion on it. Um, I think, I think my my thoughts are that the Greens are going a little easy on them because of the pandemic kind of quotation up there. Like the, it, it's through a pandemic, so we can spend a little more. But at the same time, you have to be strong fiscal stewards to make sure that you have there is a plan in place. But where can we make some room for improvements? And I think you noted also just kind of the the raise in salaries um, across basically all departments, um, kind of like a COVID clause across all departments with, I forget how many million dollars. And also the idea that we're going to make more money next year than this year. Like they're pro projecting crazy numbers that are a little unrealistic. I think that's my biggest concern. And when you listen to the rhetoric of opposition, which, which should generally be critical, and I think there's some criticisms from both um, Heath McDonald and Michelle Beaton. Michelle maybe was more actively involved in the construction of the document because she seems to administer a little bit more praise. Uh, you know, I think one of the detractions of having a coalition government uh, or a minority government is that you do have to homogenize your positions and kind of blend everything to come up with an agreeable approach, which this document clearly is. And uh, when you can't enforce your policy, sometimes you, it's expensive. And again, this document probably is expensive. One thing that you commented on, Sam, was the uh, projected growth of the economy. And, uh, you know, I think in my article, I commented on that as well. It is an aggressive target. If the province hits it, that's great. We have had a number of great years where the province has been growing, except, in fact, uh, punching above our weight as far as our growth. But um, 
growth rates might be ambitious. Uh, the U.S. economy, the stock market, big business is growing well. Small business, which is what primarily PEI is, I don't think is going to see that same acceleration. And I think those numbers are going to be um, deficits probably, in my opinion, might be a little larger than what's projected just based on the underlying assumption of the growth. Yeah, and we won't know until, I guess, like a year later. It's usually, I guess, March is the year end um, for government. But we, yeah, like you said, we won't really don't know. And they are aggressive and ambitious, but... I think the idea of raising taxes and all these deferred, whether there's mortgage payments or whether it's deferred property tax, um, it'll all add up. And whenever there's a bill around, let's say Christmas time, um, people might be hurting a little more than right now. Um, so, well, especially if the economy closes down, which is what the expectation is, we're going to endure this. Florida, I think, has 3,200 cases now a day. Like they're they're not doing well at the moment. Um, we are, but I think if this thing spreads, it's a good chance we'd be affected as well this fall. So we likely aren't going to go to Universal Studios for Christmas this year, is what you're saying? Uh, you may not go to Universal Studios at the Cineplex, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, school's going to resume. That's a big deal. I think parents got to be happy about that. Let's see how long it can last and what that structure looks like. But uh, I, think, I think it's going to be a, a tough restart, not just the fall, but I think businesses are going to realize by mid-July that this is difficult. And it plays a big part. Like a lot of it's, it's just speculation. Like we don't know whether there's going to be a spike in cases at the end of August, the end of September, the end of October, but you have to plan for it. And obviously this budget does that. And the announcement that school is going to resume in the fall um, does that. It's to, it's to progress forward regardless of what, what uh, may be negative in the, the negative mindset around COVID. But um, yeah, like it's, it's kind of startling just to see, or just to think about what, what might happen um, if the economy were to close down again and the effect that that would have on the budget. Uh, that's already a large deficit. Yeah, so I think viral sort of movement would tend to be later in the fall. I would think uh, late October, November, when people kind of get indoors and there's less uh, airflow. One of the things that's happening in the States, I think the States have made it pretty clear that there's absolutely no way they shut down the economy. It's up to individual states. But if you can see the reaction of you know Texas and North Carolina and Florida and some of these places, they're opening their economies despite, uh, you know, maybe they never even suppressed the first wave of this. So you're seeing some spikes. One thing I think the CDC might have suggested is wearing masks is one of the simplest things you can do that may affect a civil liberty, but it's a lot less uh, impact on your civil liberties than quarantining people and closing your businesses. So I don't see business closure really being an option for any government uh, in Canada or the U.S. going forward. I think they're going to have to find ways to adapt, protect vulnerable people, and use PPE like masks if that helps uh, to mitigate. But yeah. Anyway, back to your projections. I mean, it's not just the projected deficit. There's tax rebates, which I'm an advocate for. Under good conditions, that is a great thing to do. If you don't hit your numbers, those tax rebates are going to be short-lived. And I think it's going to be more complex than just reversing tax rebates. I think it's going to affect uh, you know, some austerity probably within government because there's no place else to take that from. There'll be no tax base. Uh, I don't think personal. And I don't think there'll be it from business because I don't think they're going to generate enough tax revenue. So I think the onus of any additional suppression or cost, I don't know how much more deficit can run. It's got to come from someplace and you know, hire new people. Are they the first to go or is it, is it a way to sort of um, trend other people out? Maybe there's succession, maybe there's attrition, maybe there's retirements, but uh, that's what I'd be conscious of over the next 18 months. I agree. Um, so last, we will move on from the budget, but did you have any last, uh, I guess, noted comments on the, on the budget? Uh, there's an article out in today's Guardian. That's a great place to to look. I think you know, in general, it's a lot of money, 
and um, in, I guess, consideration of the government's position, you can't suspend the economy. That occurred universally across the globe. I think in retrospect, it was a bad decision. It did maybe suppress some of the viral incidents. That's positive from a health perspective, but there's economic impacts to that. So one of those is the government has to spend their way out of that. They've done that provincially and federally, and I support that as a necessary inducement. Uh, part of the challenge is how do you decouple that and how do you um, transition out of these inducements? We've seen some things the federal government have done recently, which will probably be challenged by business. Um, but boy, this is a tough situation. Not taking action, decisive action, as the provincial government has done, is much worse than maybe spending, you know, too much. So better to make a decision and adapt to it. And, uh, you know, I referenced Jay Powell's um, testimony to Congress where, you know, he's going to do everything he can to make sure the economy maintains its vibrancy. He's got lots of tools and levers, and he'll use them all. And you see the stock market at least respond to that at this point. Hopefully that trickles through the the base of the economy, and then hopefully that permeates up here into Canada. And like we've talked a lot of it before, like it's kind of like been a company mantra, I guess, is the idea that progress over perfection. So put something out that you can adapt to. Um, that's exactly what the government's doing because we don't know what the next 6, 12, 18 months is going to look like. So you have to put something out to kind of have some sort of guideline. Um, but it, it, it's a little alarming to see such increases in whether it's salaries and also the idea that we're going to take in more money than we did last year or we're going to have more growth. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's confusing. Let's hope but, they're uh, right. Well, yeah, like, yeah. If, if they're right, everything should be okay, but um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Economists, I'm going to defer to the fact that they've got good people giving them guidance and hopefully they're correcting their assumptions. If they're not, it's a very compounded challenge, but like, I'm going to defer to the fact they've got people better than us to evaluate this. And, you know, the growth rate is strong, uh, especially if the economy had been strong, it's strong coming out of a pandemic. Uh, my fingers are crossed that they've got their hand in the tiller and they know what's going on. So if they do that, we'll all do well and employment will spike and, uh, you know, the economy would be great. 8.6% is a pretty aggressive growth target. So if we hit that, the challenge is going to be to find labor and uh, find space because there's going to be a lot of, a lot of activity. Yeah. And like, like I said, we could hope for the best. Um, anyways, we'll move on from the budget. We can, I'm sure that'll be debated numerous times over the next couple of weeks in the legislature. I don't think they're getting out anytime soon. I would say my guess would be another three weeks. Um, which Boy, is like, it's getting hot. They've never said yeah, this long. They're going to be <laughs> screaming to get out. It was 30 degrees every day this week and next week's supposed to be high 20s again. Um, so they, I, maybe they'll turn off the air conditioners to get them out of there or something. Well, you know, the air condition is probably better in this building than it was in the, uh, the previous, uh, previous building. So maybe they're comfortable to stay all summer. Maybe. I, I don't know if anyone wants to. They want to get in the, on the road and then see their constituents. Um, but Still on politics, uh, last night was the first Conservative Party of Canada leadership debate. Um, oh, I, you would have watched that, I'm sure. Yeah. You're glued watched, to that? Watched it like a hawk. Um, no, I was, I was not watching it. But um, just the, the idea that at least they're getting that going because we could have, after this pandemic, I would assume uh, Justin Trudeau will pull the trigger and have another election in the minority situation because he wants to get a few more seats and have the minority or majority, sorry. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, do, you have any, do you have any favorites in that race? Yeah, I, you know, who's, I guess the issue is who is watching it. I'm not even sure that conservatives are watching it too closely. I mean, it's a bad time of year to be trying to get people's attention. So we've got two governments, neither of which really have the funds to hold an election federally and provincially. Um, I still am not sure who's going to flinch first. I think it's in their both their advantages to try to get to the polls. Uh, clearly, nobody can afford this. I'm not sure that the countries or provinces need it. But if you're a political strategist, 
this is a time things may not necessarily get better. And if you, you know, look at some of the growth projections we talked about in the budget, if things deteriorate, you don't want to be going into the polls at a negative time and you don't want to lose control of the timing, which you can in a minority situation. So I don't know. I'd be watching for people to trigger something this fall. I just don't know who's going to flinch first, uh, I think federal or the provincial. The longer COVID goes on, the like people are we're very happy with the government's response up to date. Um, There's a couple like the cottage goers who are actually this weekend. They're allowed to. Some of them are coming in um, from off island. But it, longer, oh, you know what? Not all not all islanders are happy with that. <laughs> no, and that's, I know, I agree. But maybe that'll bring some new money in. But I think. The longer COVID goes on, yes, we're happy government's response. We're happy with the public health office. But the longer it goes on, people are just getting sick and tired of waiting for an update on Facebook Live through the government page. So I think the more, like, now it's more time to kind of sit, not sit back and relax, but to lessen the announcements just because people are eventually are going to get kind of stockpiled up and sick of them um, and sick with the government of the day because that's who is administering them. Yeah, you know, you looked at those numbers early on the pandemic, like the viewers, I think it was like 7,000, and I hadn't watched lately. I think most people pro probably tuned out, um, but it can't be much more than a couple thousand, I wouldn't think, at this point. So I'm not sure, you know, I know it's beneficial, media picking up and, and rebroadcasting, but there's not much new to say. Everybody probably needs a break. Um, if there's valuable information, report that. Give Heather Morrison a rest. Let her enjoy some of the summer, because I think everybody, including her, going to be maybe busier this fall. So catch your breath and enjoy this while we can and be ready. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of news rebroadcast and compass is back to well, this week, got back to a full 60 minutes. So people are happy. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. We could probably get a segment on there. They may need content. We could be filler. Yeah. We could even take our hats off for that. Yeah, I say we have to, we have to, we'd have to uh, comb our hair. Maybe. But just on that last note, um, last week after our interview with Paul McNeil, he was actually on um, talking about the legislature thus far. And he kind of reiterated what he said on our podcast about the idea of um, the change in legislature hours and what that actually means. But just wanted to give another shout out to Paul because he did a great job on CBC again. Well, and he's got his new podcast is out. So he's a, a podcast competitor or collaborator. I guess we're a collaborative environment. You know, Paul does have a podcast as well. And he's got his second uh, version, I think is live now. Um, so if people want to pick that up. You can go to Canada.com and sort of link through to his podcast. Yeah. Um, 13 guess, ways to kill a community. Yeah. As if two wasn't enough. No, no. And there's probably going to be more spread up as COVID goes on. Um, but I think we'll probably end it there and uh, maybe enjoy our Friday, sunny Friday afternoon. Um, it's a scorcher or a corker, whatever, however you want to define it. Um, it's going to be a, a nice weekend. So I guess we'll, we'll, we'll get to, back to work and then go maybe enjoy the evening. And next week, I think, as a follow-up, I mean, we've got still some legislative commentary for our public affairs component of our, of our uh, podcast. Uh, we'll have some guests on that can talk in a little bit more detail about their perspectives on this budget. And uh, we, of course, would always welcome somebody from government side, uh, whether that's the Minister Compton or somebody else from Cabinet. But uh, we'll extend that invitation and hope to have a balanced perspective when we do get to talk in a little bit more detail on this budget. I've combed through it. I've made... Um, assessments on percentage changes, most of which are all increased in expenditures. Uh, but let's let the experts sort of have their say and we look forward to them sharing their thoughts on our podcast. Yeah. And throughout the week, throughout the next week, I guess we'll kind of see it uncovered in debate in the legislature. So I'm sure we'll have a more uh, pinpointed description. What we have today, like our discussion was just kind of uh, more speculation. Uh, but now I think as debate goes on, we'll have to see a little bit more of a pointed uh, reasoning for increases or whatever so yeah, I'm, i look forward to that 
great. Let's enjoy the weather. We can tell all the MLAs locked indoors how great it is outdoors. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they get sweaty inside in their ties. Pick them up on the boat out, uh, down at Peaks. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I have enough anchors, but we'll see. <laughs> We're always happy to take people for a drive. Yeah. So this has been another edition of The Exchange. Uh, casual Friday, I guess you could call it, um, presented by Confederation Group. And we'll see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,